Hello and welcome to The Rednets, the official podcast of Empire the Cock. Joining me today to help dissect that juicy Leicester Cup tie is, of course, as ever, Rick Elliott, uh, Empire the Cops, Peter Kenny-Jones and Steve Carson and, of course, myself, Farrell Keeling. Steve, I'm going to start with you here. I mean, it was... It looked like things were going a bit downhill from the first half. You had that sort of Vardy double, and I'm sure sort of, I mean, I know certainly from looking at the online comments, a lot of fans' heads were going, you know, even though 10 changes have been made. But, you know, what were your, your overall thoughts sort of as you were heading into that second half and obviously when that miraculous second half performance came? Yeah, so, I mean, at half time, it was pretty much what I expected. You know, I was thinking we were going to put out our, you know, second string team. We're going to go up against a very strong Leicester side. I mean, we didn't know how strong Leicester were going to go until kickoff, an hour before kickoff. Once we found out, I thought to myself, all right, maybe the lads will do a job, but if they don't, it's par for the course. It's the League Cup. We'll crack on. Half time, 3 1 down. I'm thinking, okay, this is, I was kind of expecting this, you know. It is what it is. It's okay. It's Leicester's first team. It's the League Cup. You know, it'd be nice to go a little bit further, but whatever. Um, by the end of the game, the League Cup um, has now become the one trophy that I want this season um, because that second half was unbelievable. Um, that that I can't even really put it into words. It was just a complete turnaround from Liverpool. And the fact that Mane, Salah and Van Dijk weren't even there, it's, it's just incredible. It shows the character that the, you know, the perceived starting 11 has got, like, as we know, Jürgen Klopp doesn't have a starting 11. He has, like, a starting team of about 20 players. Um, that sort of richness of them just runs through from top to bottom. You know, any player in this team, I think they believe they can do anything. And it was just, and it was just glorious, to be honest with you. It was glorious. I, I mean, especially after all those changes that are made, I don't think anyone sort of expected that sort of calibre. Um, a performance, but Pete, you know, it, the League Cup sort of attracted a bit of a difficult re, um, reputation uh, in sort of recent years. So a lot of managers like Jurgen Klopp, certainly um, not so much not treating it with respect, but sort of valuing the more uh, important, objectively important trophies like the Premier League and the Champions League over it. Um, but it, it's these kind of games that are really going as far as sort of improving the reputation of the Cup, aren't they? No, oh, yep, yeah, of course. And I think, you know, on behalf of like fans normally, I think they obviously judge a lot higher than the, the managers and possibly the players do just because of it's a knockout game, isn't it? You know, everyone here last night, you don't celebrate like that with a 3-3 draw against Leicester, even if we come back from 2 behind. But just obviously we won on pens, which does help the celebrations. But I think for the fact that you know it's that knockout game, you know, it's, it's all or nothing every time you go out and play it, that it just makes it better, doesn't it? It's more fun to watch and everyone said it every pundit says it every time it's the FA Cup third round or the League Cup's on it's always you know you, you don't look back at the end of your career and how many times did they finish fourth third second do you think how many cups did they win and you think the players and it, they're going to want to go to Wembley and win a trophy and when you give those young lads a chance they're determined to go out and, and prove that they're worth and a couple of them maybe didn't cover themselves in glory that first half, but they were young. And I think, you know, it was there was injuries to our second string team. So that probably wasn't a full strength second strength team, if you know what I'm saying. So I think for us to encapsulate what, what the, the fans wanted, you know, I think while I was there, we were saying, you know, we can we can definitely get one here. We got one at the end of the, the, the first half or the start of the second half. You did feel like there was a way in and it was all we were doing were making mistakes. And we know if, as long as you got clop at half times, have a way with them then, you know, that, that could have happened. It didn't seem like beyond the realms of possibility, did it? So 
I think for us to go out, put on that performance, and then, you know, as I, I just said, then, you know, you want to go and win that trophy now because you don't want that to be in vain. You don't want to just think that we've just done that and go and get done by Arsenal's first team in the semi final. So hopefully we attack it and it's, you know, it's a bit of silverware. You know, Klopp's never won that trophy. We've won pretty much everything else. So why not just try and get that under? It's 23 more games. Surely we can go and, and win it if we go for it. No, absolutely. And obviously, you're talking about sort of the experience for the young players then, as you rightly pointed out, some definitely didn't cover, uh, cover glory with some of their performances. But Rick, I mean, you're looking at sort of, when you're putting out these young players, you want them to be introduced to a wholesome match experience. It's not just coming on and being involved in a win. You, this is the exact kind of game you want them to be involved in. You want them to to feel that sort of pressure of, of defeat, to feel the, you know, the glory of a comeback. Exactly. How important will that be for them? I mean... I mean, I, th- there was a tweet by Ian Doyle at the, like before kickoff, uh, and he said, early indications on social media are that LFC have lost the team news shield for the 346th consecutive time under Jurgen Klopp, which, you know, uh, you, you, you look at that team sheet and you can see why people were sort of like, you know, I'm not really happy with, with this lineup, but like it's, saying it's, it's the perfect sort of fixture to be throwing them in in. Yeah, it's it just goes to show that like Klopp knows what he's Klopp knows what he's doing, and if if it means throwing in the likes of Tyler Morton and and, and whatnot, you know that's you know the, 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 those are the players that are going to get us over the line, even though his hands forced into it. The best the, the best thing about this is is like you know like you said it's it's the the winning experience, and if you if you're going to remember these 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 fixtures. I mean, winning them in the most meme-worthy manner is is definitely going to be like it's, it's 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 definitely one of those things that you you're, you're thinking, oh well, like yeah, okay, no one's going to remember that 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 win over you know a, a Shrewsbury town. I mean, we've got Shrewsbury coming up in the FA Cup. Whether we win there or not, I don't think it's going to be one of those kind of fixtures that players will look back on. And go, oh, remember that game against Shrewsbury? But like a match like this, in the way that it finished. That, that energy from the crowd. I mean, like, the, like I would just mention, like just the, the the crowd alone. Start of the match. I'm I'm. I mean, I wasn't there in the stadium, but from just from what I could see on uh, on like the televised broadcast, it's it's like it just it seemed pretty dead until the Leicester fans really cranked up the uh, the feed the Scousers lines, and then like you know, I mean, Pete, you were there, weren't you? I mean, it's it's yeah. it's. Uh, you know, it just it just seems like it, it went to Champions League levels of like this is Anfield. You know, you get all these yeah. uh, like f- visiting fans that come over Premier League fixtures, like uh, uh, like Brighton fans or you know clubs that are like bottom end of the table or mid table, and they and they sing like, "Is this a library?" Because you know it's it's a Premier League league match. These are the nights, even though it's the Carabao Cup. You know, it's a, it's it's still a, a fairly big match. Uh, it's 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 you know getting to the later stages of the tournament. You've the, the club have pretty much got their eyes on getting silverware at this point now. They're like they're focused on right. Okay, we want to give the the youth players some experience, but we you know we want to we're gonna go gun for it. And just having and just having the fans there, just trying to get it over the line and successfully doing so by bringing the noise. It's just you love to see it. No, it's an interesting point there um, about the atmosphere and certainly the chance issued by the away support. I mean, obviously James Madison sort of came out and sort of bizarrely said, let's just show you going to Leicester City supporters that um, 
Anfield has the, the best atmosphere in the league. And I'm sure that's a statement that we can all safely agree on. Um, but Pete, you know, obviously you were there at the ground. Well, what was the sort of general feeling when you, because I mean, it, it, these chants are becoming an almost weekly thing at this point. And, you know, it, it's when it first came out, sort of it, you've got this general air of disgust around it. But at this point, it must just be exasperation that seems to be you know predominant among Liverpool fans thinking, oh, you know, here we go again. This is the same chant over over and over again. Uh, what what was the sort of general feeling in the stadium? Yeah, well I think well as long as I've been going, it's about like ten years basically the last time I missed a home match. I feel like that song gets sung every festive period, basically, doesn't it? It gets sung at us and it gets sung at Everton. And I think, you know, it used to just get sung back and or they'd say something or we'd just sing about us and try and drown them out. But I think it's just getting to the stage where Supporters just it doesn't make any sense why they're singing it because they were singing it back in the day when the city was run down seventies and eighties and whatever. But now the fact that they're doing it when you know this don't want to go too political on a Liverpool thing, but you know when this government's doing what they've done to 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 our city, but it's not just us, the whole country. And our reaction is to say, you know, why are you having a go at us? You should be we're we're telling you the real fault is here. And you know, obviously, you don't want to say the full expletives of what our champ back is, but you know, it's aimed at the Tories. And I think you'll you'll be hard for to find any fan base anywhere in the world that wouldn't if someone's singing a song like that about them, that they wouldn't then go back and start singing something about the other team. But instead we take a team take a step back and, and say, look what the real issue here is. And I think it is helping in a way because it, it really riled the Liverpool fans up because, you know, they've come this up the full end and I'm saying to me dad these are the team that won the league not that long ago they want to be a Champions League team we've thrown it away like the last couple of years so they should be wanting to have these games and they should be thinking they're as good as us but they, they came acting like they were as if we'd played Preston in the other round and it was the Preston fans they were just trying to like have a day out and enjoy the night and the lights that this should be what they're wanting to get used to and I just thought the way they were handling themselves was embarrassing obviously the, the Gerrard stuff when again the Rodgers was the manager while that all happened and singing about Wembley and then about two seconds before we scored, which was great. So I just think the atmosphere was great and obviously the fact that we fought back and won on pens, but I think it said a lot. The very first thing that we sung as soon as that winning pen winning was about the Tories and about them. It wasn't about our team because they just, as I said, they just embarrassed themselves. And I think for, if they want to be the team that they think they're going to be, then they, they can't be doing stuff like that. And if they want to try and wind us up, then what we'll do is get behind our own team. And we definitely helped the fact that we went and won that game, so thanks to them for trying to think they were funny, and then we're in the next round, and they're out. There we go. It's a championship club mentality that the fans have yep. got still. Like it's it's like they're still rooted in that in the championship, and it's like really, lads. I mean, you're in the Premier League. You've been in the Premier League for a couple of years back now, and and you know you you won you won the damn thing a couple of years back. So the the fans have kind of got to grow up. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying that like you know every fan base is perfect or that ours is like, but you know like that. That kind of stuff. I mean, come on. Yeah, but that wasn't one or two people. I have it was yeah. that was the whole stand five, six, seven, eight times singing. It was singing before kickoff, singing after he scored, he scored again. It's just then you say they used to have the little plastic clappers under the chairs. I mean, they, that's the only way they could think they could make an atmosphere go and try and have a go at someone. But yeah, they just annoyed me, and I think they annoyed most of the rest of the stadium as well, which is why they got what they got. You do wonder what's sort of going through Roger's head because we're not just talking about sort of any old manager here. We're talking about a former Liverpool manager who should understand why... I mean, chances are that are abhorrent, whatever the team you're aiming at, but you should understand specifically why that's abhorrent aiming at Liverpool. Um, 
because you know I mean, we go back to sort of the um, homophobic chance with the sort of minority of Liverpool fans and Klopp was very sort of keen the players were very keen to sort of stamp that out at the earliest opportunity and you don't seem to really get that sort of same approach when it's chance mocking you know poverty uh, in this case um, so it'd be very interesting certainly to see how um, Brendan Rodgers reacts to this going forward and how the players react to this going forward because it's an issue that certainly should be closely looked at and stamped out as soon as possible um, we'll be coming up against them again soon of course uh, in, the, in the next week but uh, in between then it's worth pointing out that our upcoming league fixture for those um, who haven't heard the news yet uh, against Leeds United will be postponed due to COVID cases it, it's a mix of COVID cases and injuries um, interestingly though uh, Steve Everton tried to use the same um, reasoning to postpone their sort of upcoming game because they've got five COVID cases and a number of injuries to contend with as well, according to Paul Joyce from the Times. Uh, but their request was denied. This is a bit... I mean, I'm going to focus sort of on this decision first, but it, it seems a bit bizarre that there's a complete lack of transparency sort of around how the Premier League is, is coming to these sort of decisions, isn't it? Particularly in such a precarious time with the rise in COVID cases. Yeah, I mean, it's a difficult situation to be in. I certainly don't envy decision makers at the minute uh, when it comes to making these calls or even putting in these requests. Um, obviously, Leeds have, have put forward their request and got it. Everton have had theirs rejected. I'm sure there's reasons for and against um, both. Um, yeah, I can only really sort of look to the schedule perhaps as well and maybe wonder whether maybe that's got something to do with it as well. Obviously, Liverpool active in the League Cup, maybe that's where, you know, the Premier League maybe looked at it and gone, well, you know, maybe we will give Leeds it this time. Um, maybe it was perhaps done on the behalf of Liverpool more than Leeds. Leeds maybe would have got rejected like Everton. It's impossible to know. You know, it's a, it's a very difficult time for decision makers. And yeah, I mean, it's 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 just a difficult time. And you, you could really do with the consistency across the board though, you know, um, and when you're, when you're at a stage now where some games are getting postponed and some games aren't, for what reason can a game be postponed in a couple of days, but then one be played in a week's time? If it's got nothing to do with the schedule and it's purely to do with COVID, why are we still actually playing if some games are getting postponed? Why don't they just do the whole circuit break at break off for two weeks type thing? It's it's we could really do with some consistency just so people know where they stand. As I say, I don't envy the decision makers at the minute because I struggle myself. It's it's a tough one. I think nobody's denying that it is. You know, it's not a simple sort of you know sitting over here and making that sort of decision. Um, you are affecting the entire Premier League schedule, and obviously, you know, with the reliance in terms of the football pyramid, it, it will have ramifications uh, financially, not just on sort of the health of the, the, the top flight clubs. <sighs> Look, where do you stand on this in terms of a potential breaker? Because obviously, Jurgen Klopp has come out and he said he doesn't really see the benefits of having that sort of two week, one week breaker. But the, it, I mean, fans seem quite divided on the issue on sort of social media. I mean, there are obvious benefits in that you sort of allow clubs to get on top of vaccination programmes. You allow clubs to sort of get their affected players back in action, back in team training. Um, but then, of course, you, you, the, the teams and players have to be willing to get the vaccines, to get the boosters. So it, it, it's it, it's a difficult situation to negotiate, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, even if they get the vac- uh, the, the boosters, I mean, it takes, there's like a two-week gestation, gestation period before it fully, you know, is is in your system and is fully kicked in. So, you know, so, yeah. even if we had a two-week period uh, or like just, uh, I mean, not even two weeks, if, if, the, if the league said, right, we're not going to play in the next 
two games, which is about a week. Um, then, I mean, even if they had a booster, everyone in the league had a booster today, it's not going to really make any difference. And also, you've got to take into consideration, right, okay, players aren't playing games. They're more likely to be out socializing. You know, the, the, the players these days are professional, more professional than in decades gone by. You're not exactly that mentality of having a pint after the game and all that is, is, has long gone with the, the rise of sports nutrition. But, you know, you just look at Foden and, and Grealish, like what, what they've been, you know, caught doing in the last couple of weeks. It's like, I, I, now looking at our squad, I mean, I'm not saying that they're all angels, but I mean, we've got one of the more boring squads out there, really, in, in terms of like... It's uh, what you want. Uh, Exactly. Well, yeah. I mean, like you know, we change But you know what I mean. Like, there's there's plenty of personalities in there. Like, like Ox. You know, you you have got like loads of like those kind of out there personalities. But most of them are families. I can't. I don't sort of look at them and go like, you know, there's a load of party party lads in there uh, that are going to go clubbing every night. So you know, but at the same time. Elsewhere in the league, you're going to get those, those kind of lads that are going to go, right, well, I've got some time off. What's the worst that can happen? I'm, you know, fit as a fiddle. And then next thing you know, so th- th- this circuit breaker doesn't really do anything unless you're putting people under like, you know, quarantine and like, you know, putting them under guard, which they're not going to do. So, yeah, I, I personally, I don't see the the point in a a circuit breaker as such. The the thing that I would say is moving the schedules around is a benefit in terms of player welfare. In terms of you know, because there's so many. I mean, Henderson came out the other day and said there's just too many fixtures right now, um, and that's before you take COVID into consideration. So, yeah, it's uh, I I just yeah, it's, it's nice to see that there's a little bit of a breathing space. Especially with this this fixture against Leeds that's now gone, like you know, our players can take a breather. I mean, we already had how many players out rested for the for the Leicester game, so who knows? They might effectively come back against Leicester in the league, and it might be like Spurs were the other day, where it's like, well, we haven't played in a while. Let's you know go all out for it. So I'm cautiously optimistic that like the the the, the break against uh, Leeds. Hopefully, it doesn't get rearranged into a time slot that later down in the months where we're going to actually get screwed over by late stage Champions League or something like that. I mean, hopefully, we, you know, late stage Champions League, but hopefully that, you know, fixture doesn't come in to, to bite us in the ass later on. So for me personally, it's not a waste of time, but it is a waste of time at the same time. <laughs> it's, it's hard to really describe. I sit on both sides of the fence. It's, uh, I have a very sore ass. I mean, we've, we've talked extensively about the health side of um, the debate, and certainly um, rightly so, given how sort of there, there seems to be not many sort of beyond uh, Klopp regularly banging the drum on uh, player safety and, and well-being and doing so in a genuine manner. Um, but in terms of the sort of the pure sort of scheduling sort of side of it, I mean, Pete, do you, do you see the postponed game as being of benefit um, to Liverpool overall, or, or are there that kind of fear that you know, as Rick mentioned? the game sort of coming at an inopportune time. Yeah, well, I think, you know, he's been saying for weeks, hasn't he? Nothing to do with COVID, nothing to do with injury. He's just playing twice in two days is ridiculous. And Pep Linden said it as well, didn't he, in his press conference. So, 
I think they're going to be delighted, really, that they're, they're not playing. Because every time I hear them say that oh, they don't want to play the, this so soon at Christmas, I, I always do think, oh, this has been like a tradition of our game for years. But obviously he was saying the other day, you know, we don't want to take away the Boxing Day game. We understand that's like a big part of English history and what's going on with obviously how the Football League's always been set up. But playing on the 28th makes no sense. And no one says, oh, I can't wait for the 28th of December game. It's never a... Never think anyone discusses. And when he said that, I was like, it probably is right to be fair because I do love a Boxing Day fixture. You know, you have, remember my mum always having a go at me and my dad, and we had to go to the match <laughs> and we had to postpone the Boxing Day roast. But this is that's part of like the tradition every year, isn't it? So I think to lose that would be bad. But not having to play on the twenty eighth would be great. Obviously, it's worth the other way around just because of which one's been cancelled. So I think Klopp will be delighted because we've got that extra break and then we go back into the Leicester game with you know lot more fresh legs and a lot more players to pick from so I think just on that point of view then yeah definitely it's a benefit that we've managed to get a game called off but it's when it comes back but I don't think it's going to be two games in four to eight hours whenever it does come back so hopefully it'll work out the moment. I mean I, sorry sorry to jump in but like the the, the tradition thing that you, you mentioned it's it's I, I've seen a few people mention this on, on Twitter today like I, I, this country in general is is pretty sort of uh too attached to tradition and it's like you know well why is it tradition well because we've done it for ages you know okay well why have you done it for ages i don't know but we have yeah. so we're sticking with it but hang on yeah. a minute we've got this like you know scientific proof that like actually this isn't actually feasible in the long term and that we should probably wind it in a little bit no but we've been doing this forever but why have you been doing this forever because we have done like you know it's it's just this like secular like just uh, uh, I wish that there was like a way to just sort of like slap people around and go like, okay, fine, Boxing Day fixture, cool. But, you know, everything else around that, we need to sort of, you know, wind it in a little bit. And I think that's what Klopp's been trying to say for the longest time, and no one's been listening, and it's super frustrating. Well, they used to play Christmas Day and Boxing Day, didn't they? So obviously they must have had, I don't know what year it was, that changed, but that would have been a bit of a mad one going on, stopping your presence and going to the match and then coming back. But, I think they've obviously managed to change that at some point. So if they keep banging the drum like Klopp and any other ones who join in, it will change, won't well, it? Just it takes that person to speak up, which does seem like it's Klopp on everything. who says the right thing, but he says it loudly and proudly, doesn't he? Absolutely, I think. <laughs> Personally, I think <clears throat> I've heard the valid points there on tradition. Um, but beyond that, of course, now that the, the Leeds game is sort of off the cards, we look forward to another game against Leicester City and it's an interesting one because you know given that we've sort of played um, you know with a completely changed team uh, to the one that we filled with against Tottenham I think Morton was the only one who sort of survived uh, from that two-all draw and it would produce results of such magnitude against what was effectively a full-strength Leicester side and the prospect of coming back I, th- I think um, with the government sort of slashing isolation periods as well we could sort of look forward to potentially having the likes of Virgil van Dijk and Fabinho and Curtis Jones back in the team so we're looking at a pretty strong Liverpool side uh, potentially for the next time to face Brendan Rodgers man which does raise the question um, if our backup can do that to Leicester City what can our strongest team do um, as we know with football it's never quite so simple but what are you predicting for this one Steve? Another chance to fuck the Tories, you know. The day. <laughs> uh, it's, uh, I mean, the crowd will not need any sort of, you know, introduction to the game. They'll be in it from the start. You know, you've got to really appreciate me stepping aside so we can have another go at Leicester. <laughs> um, the energy is still going to be there. I mean, obviously, 
it's not going to be the same kind of atmosphere. Obviously, it's a new game and, you know, it starts off at nil-nil. So we'll have to see what happens. But yeah, I mean, like you say, Farrell, if, if that's what our second team can do, then what's the first team going to go and do? As you say, it doesn't always translate that way. But when you consider that, that was pretty much less the strongest possible 11 that they put out, you'd have to imagine they're going to do the same again in the league. It's going to be the same set of players. It's going to be a bit of a mindset thing there for them, thinking that they had a good result at Anfield and it fell away from them. They're now going to be taking on the big boys at Liverpool. You know, Virgil will be back, Mo, Sadio, a few other players. I mean, it's going to be another good game. I do feel like it's going to be an enjoyable fixture for Liverpool. We certainly hope so. I think the thing we have to consider as well is that obviously they're playing Manchester City on the 26th and that has not been postponed as of yet. So we're talking, you know, as, as, as we've just mentioned there with the fixture schedule, two games in three days. I mean, Pete, how on earth does Brendan Rodgers prepare for Liverpool knowing he's got to field a good enough side against Manchester City to, to not be embarrassed and knock the confidence of the players? Because you can't just go and go, I'll, I'll, I'll field my worst team against Manchester City on the basis I can field my best team against Liverpool because you get tonked by Manchester City, as they've certainly proven they're more than capable of doing a, to Premier League class sides. You're going into Liverpool and, you know, you're off the back of, oh, we've been told 7-0 by City and we're now facing a team that beat us with their backup uh, in a penalty shootout. So, it, it, I mean, I, I know for certain, I personally wouldn't want to be in Brendan Rodgers' shoes right now, but <laughs> what, what's it looking like for them? Well, they've got, obviously, the, the hectic schedule of those games oh. and they've also got I think with Soy and Chu went off injured didn't he? and that Pereira went off and then they said Vardy wasn't fit enough to take a pen or run around at the end and stuff so whether they're going to be fit enough to play both or either games and then yeah we don't, it's you couldn't ask for much worse because you're playing City and Liverpool in, in the space of 48 hours I think that's probably the worst case scenario for everyone I think, unless they played them at the same time they probably do as good I don't think they're going to be able to win but yeah, as you say, you can't put all your eggs in one basket because even if they have the full strength team against either of them, there's no guarantee they're going to win. So if I was, if I could give any advice to Rodgers, I'd just say, go, go for the City one and we don't mind winning. Just just try and beat City for us and do us a favour and we'll be nice to them the day after or he win by one or something if he puts his kids out. But yeah, I, what what can he do? It's just, it seems like he's on a, a bit of iron that often, but They'll see what they can. They'll see what points they can get, and they'll put the best team out they can get, and hopefully it's not good enough to beat us, but it's good enough to beat City. I'll tell you what, I'd bite your hand off right now for anything—a draw, a win at best. Um, I've I, I, I a sneaky suspicion that uh, Rogers is, is going to try and sort of fill the a, a semi-decent team against City to try and get something from from Liverpool, which could have disastrous results uh, for the Foxes. Um, <laughs> Rick, how how on earth? If you're Brendan Rodgers right now, how on earth do you prepare for you know the two top sides in the Premier League at the moment? I mean, in quick succession. I mean, he's already he's already fucked it, hasn't he? Really? I mean, like he's. <laughs> um, I mean, I have no idea what their uh, their reserve setup is like, their youth setup is like, but the fact that I think he's tried to be a little bit too clever, and it's caught him out. The fact that he went too heavy against us uh, last night and, it's just, and, it, and it came back to, to bite him in the arse and now we're in a situation where those, those players have got minutes in their legs and you know like, we've, like we're saying we've got, they've got to go against City and they've got to go against us 
and he's just like, you know, that they, they, they really should have uh, played a younger, a younger side against us, and the, the consequence of that is that like he's he's screwed himself over in the long game. And Rogers has a history of of doing that, of of, of trying to be a bit too clever and getting caught out. And it happened to us with the Chelsea game in thirteen fourteen. You know, it's happened again now where he's just like, yeah, he really needs to sort of, uh, he his, I hate to say that he has a bit of an ego, but he does. And and that, that's sort of, it's, it's caught him, it's caught him out. And it's, uh, yeah. So I, I mean, I don't, I don't know enough about the last, the city squad to really, to, to adequately say how he can go from here. But the fact that he decided, right, well, you know they'll be playing the kids, so we should probably go with a with a heavy squad, beat them in their own in their own ground. Like it's and then and now he's in this situation where he's got loads of injuries and minutes in the legs, and it's not it's not a sustainable thing. It, it, like it, this period of like when you've got fixtures coming at you left, right, and center, you really need to plan a little bit more carefully, and he just hasn't. And I don't know whether it's because uh, he thought that. We're not going to get anywhere in the league, so we might as well try and get further in a domestic cup. Or if it's being, you know, that he's just thought I can have my cake and eat it, and you know we'll be fine against City as well. Well, now the, that that's that side have got to manage their expectations, and they're going to be going in there with their heads held low, and you know they're going to struggle. They're really going to struggle. What sort of team? Well, I've got you. Can you see sort of Liverpool uh, putting forward? Who knows. Because someone could get COVID, <laughs> like you know, and then it's all out the window. I don't like it's even though it's just round the corner. I don't want to say because I just, it's just going to jinx it. I mean, like I'd love to see Van Dijk and, and everyone back. I have a feeling that they won't. I have a feeling that Klopp will try and get a little bit more training time with them to make sure that they're actually fully recovered, because it affects everyone differently, doesn't it? It's one of those such a weird um, scientific. I, I mean, we still don't know the ins and outs of how it affects different people, but there's, you know, you look at things like long COVID and whatnot. Um, I think, uh, did uh, Smikas get it last season and then it really took him a while to, to fully recover again? You know, and, and it, these are like really fit individuals. So I don't want to say that, like, you know, I mean, I'd love to say that Van Dyke's sat there watching TV, yeah, it's up the Reds, and then just sort of like, you know, ready for Top training tomorrow. Training, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, who knows? He might be feeling a little bit lethargic. He might actually be like hacking up a lung, but we can't see that because we haven't heard from him since, you know, the confirmation that he's got it, apart from, well, apart from the odd tweet and uh, Instagram post. But I mean, you can't see how affected someone is over text, so... Basically, the answer is I'm going to cop out of this one and you know not answer your question. Oh, boo! I mean, Rick, you've made a good point there, though. In you know, COVID, its impact is very dependent on the player. You know, we see with Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, a big part of why his form uh, dipped at sort of you know, the start of the last season was due to a bout of COVID. Um, but uh, I mean, I mean, Steve, I'm, I'm hoping for a bit more, a bit more courage from you when it comes to the, the team selection. Will you be brave enough? To name an eleven for Leicester. You're not, you're not a soft lad like me. Come on, Steve. <laughs> yeah, I mean, simply put, it's going to be the strongest possible eleven because Klopp's not daft like me and won't just think. And right, if I put out, you know, these players, 
they'll do fine against Leicester. Um, the second string did, so these players will do well. Klopp's going to go, you know, all out, full kitchen sink at Leicester because the Premier League is different. You know, it's going to be a tough game. Um, you have to completely forget about what we've just done to them in the league cup. Um, if I'm being completely honest, and you've got to go again, knowing you're coming up against what is one of the best sides in the Premier League. Obviously, they have their rough patches and stuff, but they are, you know, top ten side. Um, in terms of naming an eleven, yeah, I mean, you do have to wonder about COVID, um, but optimistically, I'll go um, Ali and Nets. Um, you know. You'd have to really, you know, applaud Callagher again, as we always do every time he puts on that kit for Liverpool. But Ali's number one. There's nothing changing that. He's probably, you know, the best, one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Nothing's going to change that. Back four. Um, yeah, I mean, you've kind of got to put Robertson in because uh, obviously he's going to be, you know, out of the, the Arsenal game. Um, so I imagine he'll be in. Christina Cash will be in for the, uh, for the Prem, of course. Um, yeah, you've got to imagine Trent, Van Dijk coming back into the fold. I wouldn't mind seeing Matty come back in as well. You know, midfield, it could, might be worthwhile giving Henderson maybe this one out, depending on who's available. Um, but, you know, Fabinho constructed in the middle of the park. would love to see him back in there. I think, you know, he's been, he's been a gem for us for, for far too long now and he doesn't get near enough credit and what he deserves. Wouldn't mind seeing Naby Keita. You know, he looked really sharp when he came on against Leicester. He looked like a real live spark in midfield. I wouldn't mind seeing him. Um, and then that third position, yeah, Thiago, probably, you know. It's quite, it's quite an offensive midfield. Maybe Klopp might go for a bit more balance. Probably Henderson might get put in there. Maybe there's a reason Henderson came off. Um, I feel like Salah and Mane come right back into the fold. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, I'd be tempted to give Jota uh, the start just purely because of his celebration against the Le- uh, the Leicester fans you know he's given it big into them it was it was beautiful I'd give him the start based on that forget the goals his goal celebration is why I'd give him the start against Leicester sorry Bobby I, I reckon with, with Thiago um, just due to the lateness of his positive test I think he incurred it just ahead of uh, the Tottenham game I, I would probably presume he might not be available for uh um, Leicester City but you never know with these things um, what, about, what about you Pete what, what are your feelings sort of any any changes you make to Steve's 11 there uh, yeah, I think it's just the midfield I think really I think you know you said, is, is Robbo suspended or is he backing so, isn't he, isn't he out now suspended, so he'll be suspended yeah. also for the Chelsea for and the Chelsea one now sadly, yeah, thought, sadly so yeah so, so Simicas obviously sorry not trying to pick it up but he wasn't trying to be a teacher's practice <laughs> <laughs> So Simicas will go in, and then I reckon it'd be Hendo and Keita just because I think the minutes that they had seemed very orchestrated, didn't he? Coming off at the, the hour and a half hour, so I think he was getting them both ready for probably even Boxing Day. So I reckon they'd both start, and then it's just if Fabinho's fit or Thiago's fit, if not, like, probably Milner, and then Salah and Mane are going to start because they're off the half concert, aren't they? And then yeah, you keep Jota going just because the form he's in, and you know you've always got Bobby off the bench, so pretty similar, really. But yeah. That's what I, I just I just want to see uh, Jota score just so that he can tell them all to fuck off again. That was a, yeah, a, a, that incredible, was immense, wasn't it? That that clip yeah, was just immense. on loop in my in my head. <laughs> <laughs> you couldn't you couldn't see it from the initial one, could you? It was only from that second um, clip that was released. Yeah, you can sort of see it, <laughs> which was absolutely brilliant. But I mean, while we're talking about Jota, Jota scoring, um, how are we all feeling about a scoreline? 
You feeling brave about the scoreline, Rick? I am confident enough to say 2 1. 2 1. Well, what would you reckon, lads? 2 1 as well? Yeah, that we're thinking on pens again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I hate guessing. If he's allowed to pass the last one, I'm passing this one. I guessing the squad. <laughs> the jinx. One pass every, every red pass. session. <laughs> Steve, will you use your pass? Or will you go for it? Pass up no, I'll go for it. I'll go for it. Um, I was going to say 2-1, um, but as ever, a little, bit, a little bit more bold, and I'll say 3-1 to Liverpool. I think a clean sheet might be a little bit beyond us. I think Leicester will be chomping at a bit to get some revenge, but I think we'll be too much, and we'll beat them 3-1. Sound. I, I, I was going to go for 3-1 as well, but I can't bring myself to see them scoring 2-4-1. Oh, I'm going to go 4-1. No, I'm feeling a 3-0. Why not? A clean sheet. <laughs> Alison Becker, the absolute hero. Um, sadly, though, that's all we have time for here at Red Nets today. We, we, all three of us, all four of us, I should say, do not envy a Brendan Rodgers' job. Uh, he'll be facing, of course, Manchester City on the 26th. Before then, Liverpool, two days later. We hope you've enjoyed this latest instalment of the Red Nets podcast. Take care. Stay safe.